0: So of Isaiah verse Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through to 3 this morning, I want you to listen to the words. There's there's, there's other parts of Scripture, maybe you heard them start off like this. Uh, we've spoken before, this is not it, this is a different part of Scripture. Uh, Isaiah 60, I see that translation says arise, but I'm reading from the ESV this morning. It says, "Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth." Now, you think of these words, it's easy just to let them pass you by this morning. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and a deep darkness the peoples. but the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you, and the Gentile nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Church, this bit of Scripture is wonderful, and I understand you haven't got much time to look into yourself this morning in any depth. It's a, it's a prophecy. It speaks about the millennium reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ when He comes, and Israel will be restored to her former glory. And When Israel was called, she was called to be a light to the world, to be those who lead us to Christ, to point us to salvation. She failed, but God blinded Israel so that we could be saved the time of the Gentiles. This is what's known as the church age, the time of the Gentiles, where when that full amount of Gentiles be saved, whatever that is, then God will begin to deal with Israel in the last days. And he will establish a throne there, and Israel will fulfill all the promises spoken over her, and she will be that light, that script that God promised over her. This is a prophecy, and it's also something that I see that is prophetic. It speaks into the life of the church now in our present position. This prophecy was written around 700 years before Christ, and it gives Israel, God's chosen people, a great hope for the future. A great hope. A time when Israel will be restored and blessed by God, where the Lord Jesus Christ will be recognized by her as their Messiah. A time when she will turn to Christ, And Israel become that great light for the gospel to the world that was spoken over her. But what Isaiah says here, I want you to notice this morning, he speaks of a a common darkness, I want you to notice, which precedes Israel's future glory. It's important we see this, because this is going to help you in these days ahead. There's many uh, Christian, and they're, they're weakened this morning, they're shaken, and they're hidden, they've hidden themselves away because of the, the ungodliness that's around them, and they've somewhat believed within themselves that the church is no longer walks in a place of victory. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach at all. The Bible says there's coming a great darkness that will precede, precede Israel's future glory, which means a time leading up to Christ's return, there's going to be a great darkness fall upon the earth. Now, Isaiah says a darkness will cover the earth. Now, What this means is this darkness is, it speaks of peoples, a people living apart from God and His guidance. That's what the, when it speaks of darkness and light, light is those who know the Lord and are walking with Him. A darkness is a people who don't know their God, don't know God, and they're walking and living in a way that's ungodly. That's just a simple interpretation of what that is. So it means it's it's a time of great darkness, a time where people will have no time for God and absolutely no time for his guidance. It'll be a time of great wickedness upon the hearts of people. And that's where the Lord spoke into my heart for us as a church. For not just for 2023, but for 2023 and beyond. The word for us is that we, as a church, will become a great light placed among a great darkness. Isn't it amazing how, when it's dark and somebody switches the light on, the difference, the, the safety that you feel, the All of a sudden, you don't feel lost, and and that's what we are to the world. People are lost. They're in darkness. They they don't know. They have no sense of peace or safety, but when they see Christ and come to faith, there's a light that comes on. There's a sense of safety, and all of a sudden, life makes sense as an assurance found. So that's our title this morning, The Great Light Placed Among a Great Darkness. Three simple points this morning to help you this morning. The first one is this. I see a spirit-filled people become a spirit-empowered people. I see that in verse 1. In verse 2, I see a time of great decept- deception as darkness. Then in verse 3, I see what you could call an end time revival, that there's hope that God is going to pull people onto himself in these days, and these last days especially. So let us look at our first point this morning. A spirit-filled people become a spirit-empowered people. Empowered people. And I feel that I have to say something this morning to, to help you and to help me Move on and live for God in this coming age. And this is what I want to say that I hope I'm wrong in it, but I suspect I'm really not. That things are not going to get better as some believe the Bible teach. Um, I don't see that in scripture at all. I don't see the land, land with a lamb, this side of eternity. But some people would believe that's the case. But the reason I don't think it's the case is that the Bible teaches that things are going to get worse. Towards the end, not better. Things are going to get darker as I've just spoken before us. That means the church is going to get brighter by default. The moral decline that we are experiencing in our world is not going to go away as much as we would love it to go away. And I see within myself a spirit filled people seeking to live for Christ, but on their back there seems to be this great burden upon them. What is this burden? It's sin and ungodliness that surrounds the church. It's beginning to weigh her down and she's become weary, somewhat weakened in her own abilities. And that's normal considering what's around us, but the Word of God speaks in and through that. And the call to the church is not to hide away and blend into the darkness, but it's to enter this season of great darkness with a great boldness of faith. Because Isaiah proclaims to the people of faith in the last days, it says, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. It's nothing to do with yourself, your own abilities, but hear them words, arise and shine. Do you know, as a Christian this morning, are we hiding ourselves away in our workplaces? When we're out and by and around the streets, are we known as the people of God? Have we got a light and of course we have, but we have to be careful that we don't be forced into a corner where we stop our light shining for God. You know, Jesus speaking about the last days, he talks about something like this. He says, if, if you are ashamed of me before man, if you deny me before man, well, then I will deny you before the Father. He's speaking about a, a people that have got some bit of a light, but they, they hide it away in shame. And to stand and to speak about Christ. You'll not be patted in the back and seen as popular. In fact, you'll be seen as a fool. Paul called himself a fool for Christ, because people called him foolish. Yet he's he's honored and revered today. But hear them words for your own life, arise and shine. We often hear when somebody takes their place in society or they do something, somebody will say, It's his time to shine, isn't it? Well, church, this is our time to shine. How are we living? How are we doing in business? What's our reputation like with our neighbors? These are the sort of things that cause us to shine or become dim. And the word of the church is forget about last year. If our light wasn't that great, well listen, it's gone. This is a new day of new mercies, new forgiveness. We get another go and the word is arise and shine. Stop hiding away if that's what we're doing. Now is it possible that the Spirit-filled church has become stuck in the snurs of Satan. Now there's many snurs, and I went through them all for the sake of time, but there's one real common snur found within the scripture. Does anybody know what it is? It's fear. Fear is a very common snur. And a spirit filled church that's trapped by fear will be of no threat. I thought about this. Because in her seated position, her light will become dim. There will be nothing attractive about her to draw men to safety. Did you notice in lockdown, when there's one or two rebellious churches, whatever you want to call them, that stood firm and they shone their light and thank God for them. Do you notice that people ran through them? Now, some people for the wrong motives and all that sort of stuff. But what I noticed was there was a great light that stood firm. That shone brightly in the midst of great uncertainty and darkness. And I believe Church of people would say that was a forerunner for certain things. Well, what about it, making, What about we make it a forerunner for when the darkness comes in that we make sure we stand firm and shine and remain faithful for the gospel, because the, God, the church is called to arise and to shine, not sit with a wee nightlight on, waiting for the bridegroom to return. In in Revelations 22, if you if you're taking notes, in verses 10 through to 12. We, we get a picture of the last days, the last of the last days, Jesus is about to come, he's at the door. And uh, What the, the great picture sees is that there's a great sense of wickedness and righteousness moving through one another. If you read it for yourself, you'll see that they're living side by side, ungodliness seems to be just right. And Jesus says something that should put the fear of God in the hearts of all men, because he brings it to an understanding, at least for me anyway. And Jesus says this, the time is at hand, and therefore let him who is unrighteous continue just to be unrighteous. Let him who desires to be filthy do continue to be filthy. Let him who is righteous continue to be righteous, and let him who is holy remain holy. Now, at this point in prophetic history, as I've already said, the Lord is at the door. He's about to return. And what Jesus is saying is this, listen. Listen. If you want to be ungodly and live any way you want, carry on. Your time is short. I'm at the door. But if you want to be righteous, keep on going and remain steadfast. Because Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone, the godly and the ungodly, according to his or her work. What a promise! To the ungodliness of this world, if you persist, carry on. Do as you please, but I will soon be there to repay you. To the righteous, don't give up. Keep on going, because likewise I am coming soon, and soon I'll be with you, and I will reward you for your faithfulness. What, 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 a, what an encouragement. We don't see a weak plea, that please come, God loves you, please come. Live as you please. But let it be known to every man both righteous and unrighteous, how you live and how you shine in this world, you will be repent. Isn't that a wonderful truth from the Scriptures? It's a reminder to get our lives right if we're not saved this morning. If we are saved, it's a reminder to keep on going for there is a reward come and he is bringing his wage basket with them. See, when a church rises, here's a simple point. When the church rises from her seated position, She she, she goes from becoming a spirit filled church to becoming a spirit empowered church. A church where we start to see God use us and do things through us. She becomes what the Bible calls a city on a hill. In the darkness of a night, a city that's on a hill can be seen by all people and they can make their way to her and find refuge. You know, church, as we enter this year of 2023, which is unbelievable how t- quick time is going. We need to ask ourselves and consider our position as believers, individually and as a church. Are we in a sit- seating position? Or are we beginning to stand for Christ in these days and shine among this, amidst this great darkness? It's time, the Bible says, to arise and shine amidst this great darkness. It's become a spirit-empowered church. That leaves us to, leads us to the second point I want to bring out this morning. It's a, of, a time of great deception. Now, I've deliberately not went into this because I found myself going down many rabbit holes, but I want to just keep it very, very simple with us this morning to get a theme of what we're thinking. So, there's a time of great darkness, a great deception that the Bible speaks about. We could speak for 10 weeks in a row about this time. This is just to remind you that the fear not, this is what's happening around us within our world is all spoken about within The scripture. It's a time of great deception. I see this in verse 2, and it says, "'For behold, take take an understanding, grasp what I'm about to say. Darkness shall cover the earth, and a deep darkness the peoples.'" Now, Isaiah speaks about a darkness that will cover the earth at the end of age, preceding preceding this time of Israel's uh, restoration. Now, this darkness will allow all sorts of evils to become acceptable in society. You can see what I'm saying there. It'll be a time of darkness in which people will just carry on with their life as if they can't see what is happening before them. It's a type of darkness we can see, but we, as if we can't see it, we don't acknowledge it. But I want you to notice what happens when this darkness covers the earth because it begins to affect the people. Because Isaiah says the darkness will cover the earth in deep darkness the peoples." So you want to look at what what's going on in our world, think of that one verse. Look at the rebellion. Look at how people are acting. Look at how people are dressing. Look at how people are speaking and treating their fellow man. A time of great darkness will cover the peoples. People, according to this, will become wicked in the last days and godly in ways only seen and likened to the days of Noah. And in Noah's day, we read, for example, there was a population explosion, if you like. And as this happened, there was also an explosion of great wickedness and evil, just to give you wee snippets. And this is likened to a darkness that covered the peoples in Noah's day. Genesis says this, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of his thoughts of his hearts, was only evil continually. That's a key word, continually. We all have wickedness in here, but this is a generation that has nothing but continual ungodliness and wickedness in their hearts. That's the way it was in Noah's day. It says, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, not man's sight. You notice in today, everything's acceptable and tolerated in man's. Let people live and, and do as they please, but the, the, the Bible's very clear. The earth was corrupt in God's sight. Man was happy in their, in their, in their depravity in Noah's day, but in God's sight, it was wicked. And the earth was filled with violence. And I, as I considered this, <clears throat> I just went into a wee bit deeper for myself, but I just want to show you some of the things that I come out with as I studied this. Because when darkness covers a man or a woman, what I began to, began to see was that when these people are spoken to about God is that the very thought of God in their mind or His Word, it causes them to be filled with a great anger and hatred. That's what happens when a, when a people is filled with darkness. When the light comes near them, they react in ways that is irrational. They they become wicked to the sense that their moral compass is turned on its head. We see that within Scripture, and it's also spoken about by Timothy for now. But as I said for the second time, I'm just giving you what I see and have found. When darkness covers a people, their hearts become hard. The Bible says, evil continually resides there. But here's what the result of that is: they become unmoved by the evil that is around them. That's one of the great signs in Noah's day, that people were, were so used to the wickedness in the darkness that they become unmoved by it. It didn't convict them anymore. They weren't challenged to, to change their lifestyle. They weren't challenged to see God. And, and perhaps the most shocking thing about Noah's day with the people is that in their depravity, in their darkness, this is what we, are, we were told, that they continued eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, the flood came and they were all destroyed. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Like, it was so corrupt and so wicked and so evil that they didn't even realize because they were eating and drinking, they were being married and being given in marriage. And they were just carrying on as if this is absolutely normal. People were covered by such a deep darkness that they could not see how corrupt things had come. And this is the result. They lived as a uh, they, they lived as they pleased with no thought towards God. And Jesus says something profound. He says, but just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. And this is, this is important. because We already spoke about there's a, there's a revival. There's a, remo- there's a move of God. There's a great light that's going to shine in, in these days of great wickedness. Now, Hebrew speaks about Noah was a great light. He was a preacher of righteousness. But people didn't want to know. But here's the thing, church. It's not our responsibility who who comes or who comes to faith or who doesn't come to faith. But it is our responsibility to be a preacher of righteousness. It's our responsibility to make sure that we arise and we're living in such a way and we're speaking in such a way that we are a light to people, that we are leading them to the the Lord in these days. Because we are told at the closing of age that, that times will become perilous. People will become cold of heart. And here's the thing. We must be careful as we enter this year, that that we don't become hard of heart to those people that God loves. Because remember that, the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish. I've seen me looking at people and thinking that person's going to... Well, listen, we've all looked at people and questioned. But when the Lord looks at them, what does he see? When he found you in your state of depravity, what did he think? Where did he lift you out from it? a place of morally cleanliness, a cleanliness, no, he lifted you out of the married clay, of the pit, and there's people still in the pit. And as long as we have got to go, as long as we're still got breath in our bodies, there's souls that can and will be saved. But here's the difficulty. People are getting harder to love. You don't have to agree with that. I suspect you would. But let me bring it home a wee bit closer in these days. It's even possible that you are getting harder to love no response, no. But here's where it really gets really challenging. It's even possible that I am getting harder to love. Imagine. And this is what Matthew says, church. Beware of it. We're joking with it, but it's very true. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. There'll be such a wickedness, such a darkness around us, that we can become cold to the very ones we're called the rich. Isn't that true? Let us be careful, church, that we don't become cold towards those who God came to die for and to save. Let us be careful we don't go cold towards those that people has, God has placed us with. The church is a great light placed among a great darkness. And according to the scriptures, the darker the season, the brighter the true church shall shine. Now, Jesus appeared to Saul who became Paul in the Damascus road. We know that he saved him. He commissioned him to go to preach the gospel that all men must repent, turn to God and be saved. We know that. But as we consider this great darkness that surrounds us, let me point you to what Jesus said to Paul the day that he saved him. It's Acts 26, 18 for your own notes. And Jesus says this to him, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light. Notice that from darkness to light. From the power of Satan, which is likened to the darkness, to God, they may be saved and receive forgiveness of sins. So church, don't be deceived, I guess. A great darkness has covered our land and our people, but the gospel is still the power of God on the salvation for sinners. The dark place that you were saved from from through the gospel and that saved you has still got the power to reach in to the great darkness around us and to save people. The spirit part church must arise with the gospel and shine brightly. It's too easy to, to arise and shine with a food hamper. It is. But it's not the gospel. A food humper will never set a soul free. It'll never save a man, never save a woman. It's only the gospel, and the gospel offends men and women. It's very offensive to be told you're a sinner, to be told you're lost, and you need to be saved. It's very offensive but the only way you can truly tell a mom, man or woman that is knowing where you once were yourself. And with that love, compassion and empathy can you ever preach the gospel when you know where you first stood yourself. That leads us to our last point. It's verse three. I see end time revival in verse three. Listen to the words, but the Lord will arise over you. But the Lord will arise over you. It doesn't mean your New Year's resolution is going to bring in revival. It means the Lord will arise over you as you take a stand for God and live for Him. And His glory will be seen upon you. His glory. There's too many men and women with their glory, what they do and who they are. But this is a humble people sold out for God, choosing to shine for Him, allowing His glory to be upon them. And then when this happens, the Gentiles, the people around you shall come to your light and be saved. What a promise and what a, an insight do we see in this. Our lights, according to the scriptures, will lead men to Christ in the last days. And thank God for Isaiah's prophetic vision. Otherwise, there's no hope for this generation at the end of this age. So I see a vision of revival. And we're close here in a few minutes now. This really is a short point. But I come across this article that a pastor shared that it was an email that he received from a member of the church in which he pastored. Let me just read to you what it says. It's just some things in it that will help us come to terms with where we are at. Now, this was written 20 years ago. So, In the last week or so, he says, I have not wanted to turn on the television, the TV news, or read every article in the paper as I usually did. The world seemed too ugly and disturbing. The fear of the future as we, as we deal with terrorists. Solicitations for pornography are constantly coming into my email box. Upside down morality that elevates tolerance above everything else. Then he says something profound. And then I look in my own heart and I see the materialism found there. I see criticism and I see lust. All of this to say I can't imagine that I am the only one who is particularly struck by the darkness and depravity of our heart and indeed my heart, our world and my heart. We can easily feel so hopeless about the world we live in and in the future we, we face. You see, this is a place of fear. It's a snare, and this man has fallen into snare. And his pastor goes on to explain that he had to bring him out of it. Yes, he was looking into his heart, but who saves us from our wickedness? The Lord. Who then is going to save that world from their wickedness? The Lord. And there is hope as long as we have breath in our bodies. And it's safe to say that this. This email we all can relate to in part. Because all around us there's this darkness which is tolerated. All around us, even within us, there's, there's a moral falling away. And evil appears not only to be celebrated, but, but tolerated in such a that level that it's become right. And here's the biggest problem, that if we peek into our own, our own heart, all we see out there, we can often see in here. And that's a place of snur. That's a place of defeat. How can we make a difference in this world around us? Well, the answer is to do what the Lord says, arise. And that arise means is get your life right if it's not right. Do what's right for the Lord. Live for him every day. We can tell people about about God all we like. If our wee life isn't right, the wee light's very dim. And that's what the Bible's saying to the church in this year. Listen, you're going to be mixing with ungodliness in ways that you never thought possible. But this is an opportunity for you to shine for him, not to blend in with the world. Live for God and live well for him. For darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will come upon you. So here's an image I want to leave you with. It's written by Sir Walter Scott. I don't think that's our very own Walter. It's Sir Walter Scott. And This is something I just want to leave with you because we can feel that we can make absolutely no difference uh, in this world. And as a church, we're going to be making a difference. We already are making a difference. We're stepping forward. We're seeing God move in our own lives. We're seeing the church grow deeper in their faith. We're seeing people come to faith. And I want to speak that out there because it's happening. We're not just talking nonsense or making these stories up, but church, we want to see more. There's a whole multitude of people out in this county, Monohan area, that have to be saved. And how can we make a difference when there's such a vast darkness? Well, let me read this, and I, for me, this helped me. Sir Walter Scott tells how, as a young boy in Scotland, he would stand in the porch of his home and watch the old gas lamp lighter switch on the lights throughout his town. And as he moved from place to place, Scott followed his path by the small pools of light that he left behind him. And as he got closer to home, the young Scott would run in and call to his mother, Mother, come and see a man who is punching holes in the darkness. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Listen, I don't know about your testimony, but when I come to faith, a wee rogue, my family didn't know what to do. And right there and then, there was a punch of a hole of light burst forth into my family's home and your family's. Don't be deceived by the ungodliness. We once walked in it proudly and were part of it. You might think, how can I, pastor, make any difference every time you shine for God in the workplace, every time you shine for God in the the town, wherever you find yourself, you punch a light and it bangs forth and that light draws men onto the Lord. Amen. It draws men onto the Lord. And as you shine, For the Lord Jesus Christ, his glory will come upon you. We will find ourselves leading men, leading women to the Lord for his glory. Amen, church. Amen. Team, I'm going to ask you to come and we're going to go around the table. A great light placed among a great darkness. That's what you are this morning. If you're saved this morning, you're a great light placed among a great darkness.